section five of utopia by sir thomas more translated by ralph robinson this librivox recording is in the public domain well let us proceed then quoth he suppose that some king and his council were together whetting their wits and devising what subtle craft they might invent to enrich the king with great treasures of money first one counselleth to raise and enhance the valuation of money when the king must pay any and again to call down the value of coin to less than it is worth when he must receive or gather any for thus great sums shall be paid with a little money and where little is due much shall be received another counselleth to feign war that when under this colour and pretence the king hath gathered great abundance of money he may when it shall please him make peace with great solemnity and holy ceremonies to blind the eyes of the poor communality as taking pity and compassion forsooth upon man's blood like a loving and a merciful prince another putteth the king in remembrance of certain old and moth-eaten laws that of long time have not been put in execution which because no man can remember that they were made every man hath transgressed the fines of these laws he counselleth the king to require for there is no way so profitable nor more honourable as the which hath a show and colour of justice another adviseth him to forbid many things under great penalties and fines especially such things as is for the people's profit not to be used and afterward to dispense for money with them which by this prohibition sustain loss and damage for by this means the favour of the people is won and profit riseth two ways first by taking forfeits of them whom covetousness of gains hath brought in danger of this statute and also by selling privileges and licences which the better that the prince is forsooth the dearer he selleth them as one that is loath to grant to any private person anything that is against the profit of his people and therefore may sell none but at an exceeding dear price another giveth the king counsel to endanger unto his grace the judges of the realm that he may have them ever on his side and that they may in every matter dispute and reason for the king's right yea and further to call them into his palace and to require them there to argue and discuss his matters in his own presence so there shall be no matter of his so openly wrong and unjust wherein one or other of them either because he will have something to allege and object or that he is ashamed to say that which is said already or else to pick a thank with his prince will not find some hole open to set a snare in wherewith to take the contrary part in a trip thus whilst the judges cannot agree amongst themselves reasoning and arguing of that which is plain enough and bringing the manifest truth in doubt in the mean season the king may take a fit occasion to understand the law as shall most make for his advantage whereunto all other for shame or for fear will agree then the judges may be bold to pronounce on the king's side 
for he that giveth sentence for the king cannot be without a good excuse for it shall be sufficient for him to have equity on his part or the bare words of the law or a written and rested understanding of the same or else which with good and just judges is of greater force than all laws be the king's indisputable prerogative to conclude all the councillors agree and consent together with the rich crassus that no abundance of gold can be sufficient for a prince which must keep and maintain an army furthermore that a king though he would can do nothing unjustly for all that all men have yea also the men themselves be all his and that every man hath so much of his own as the king's gentleness hath not taken from him and that it shall be most for the king's advantage that his subjects have very little or nothing in their possession as whose safeguard doth herein consist that his people do not wax wanton and wealthy through riches and liberty because where these things be there men be not wont patiently to obey hard unjust and unlawful commandments whereas on the other part need and poverty doth hold down and keep under stout courages and maketh them patient perforce taking from them bold and rebelling stomachs here again if i should rise up and boldly affirm that all these counsels be to the king dishonour and reproach whose honour and safety is more and rather supported and upholden by the wealth and riches of his people than by his own treasures and if i should declare that the communality chooseth their king for their own sake and not for his sake to the intent that through his labour and study they might all live wealthily safe from wrongs and injuries and that therefore the king ought to take more care for the wealth of his people than for his own wealth even as the office and duty of a shepherd is in that he is a shepherd to feed his sheep rather than himself for as touching this that they think the defence and maintenance of peace to consist in the poverty of the people the thing itself showeth that they be far out of the way for where shall a man find more wrangling quarrelling brawling and chiding than among beggars who be more desirous of new mutations and alterations than they that be not content with the present state of their life or finally who be bolder stomached to bring all in a hurly-burly thereby trusting to get some windfall than they that have now nothing to lose and if any king were so smallly regarded and so lightly esteemed yea so behated of his subjects that other ways he could not keep them in awe but only by open wrongs by polling and shaving and by bringing them to beggary surely it were better for him to forsake his kingdom than to hold it by this means whereby though the name of a king be kept yet the majesty is lost for it is against the dignity of a king to have rule over beggars but rather over rich and wealthy men of this mind was the hardy and courageous fabricius when he said that he had rather be a ruler of rich men than be rich himself and verily 
one man to live in pleasure and wealth whilst all other weep and smart for it that is the part not of a king but of a jailer to be short as he is a foolish physician that cannot cure his patient's disease unless he cast him in another sickness so he that cannot amend the lives of his subjects but by taking from them the wealth and commodity of life he must needs grant that he knoweth not the feet how to govern men but let him rather amend his own life renounce unhonest pleasures and forsake pride for these be the chief vices that cause him to run in the contempt or hatred of his people let him live of his own hurting no man let him do cost not above his power let him restrain wickedness let him prevent vices and take away the occasions of offences by well ordering his subjects and not by suffering wickedness to increase afterward to be punished let him not be too hasty in calling again laws which a custom has abrogated specially such as have been long forgotten and never lacked nor needed and let him never under the cloak and pretence of transgression take such fines and forfeits as no judge will suffer a private person to take as unjust and full of guile here if i should bring forth before them the law of the macareans which be not far distant from utopia whose king the day of his coronation is bound by a solemn oath that he shall never at any time have in his treasure above a thousand pound of gold or silver they say a very good king which took more care for the wealth and commodity of his country than for the enriching of himself made this law to be a stop and a bar to kings from heaping and hoarding up so much money as might impoverish their people for he foresaw that this sum of treasure would suffice to support the king in battle against his own people if they should chance to rebel and also to maintain his wars against the invasions of his foreign enemies again he perceived the same stock of money to be too little and unsufficient to encourage and enable him wrongfully to take away other men's goods which was the chief cause why the law was made another cause was this he thought that by this provision his people should not lack money wherewith to maintain their daily occupying and chaffer and seeing the king could not choose but lay out and bestow all that came in above the prescript sum of his stock he thought he would seek no occasions to do his subjects injury such a king shall be feared of evil men and loved of good men these and such other informations if i should use among men wholly inclined and given to the contrary part how deaf hearers think you should i have deaf hearers doubtless quoth i and in good faith no marvel and to be plain with you truly i cannot allow that such communication shall be used or such counsel given as you be sure shall never be regarded nor received for how can so strange informations be profitable or how can they be beaten into their heads whose minds be already prevented with clean contrary persuasions 
this school philosophy is not unpleasant among friends in familiar communication but in the councils of kings where great matters be debated and reasoned with great authority these things have no place that is it which i meant quoth he when i said philosophy had no place among kings indeed quoth i this school philosophy hath not which thinketh all things meet for every place but there is another philosophy more civil which knoweth as you would say her own stage and thereafter ordering and behaving herself in the play that she hath in hand playeth her part accordingly with comeliness uttering nothing out of due order and fashion and this is the philosophy that you must use or else whiles a comedy of plautus is playing and the vile bondmen scoffing and trifling among themselves if you should suddenly come upon the stage in a philosopher's apparel and rehearse out of octavia the place wherein seneca disputeth with nero had it not been better for you to have played the dumb person than by rehearsing that which served neither for the time nor place to have made such a tragical comedy or gallimaufry for by bringing in other stuff that nothing appertaineth to the present matter you must needs mar and pervert the play that is in hand though the stuff that you bring be much better what part soever you have taken upon you play that as well as you can and make the best of it and do not therefore disturb and bring out of order the whole matter because that another which is merrier and better cometh to your remembrance so the case standeth in a commonwealth and so it is in the consultations of kings and princes if evil opinions and naughty persuasions cannot be utterly and quite plucked out of their hearts if you cannot even as you would remedy vices which use and custom hath confirmed yet for this cause you must not leave and forsake the commonwealth you must not forsake the ship in a tempest because you cannot rule and keep down the winds no nor you must not labour to drive into their heads new and strange informations which you know well shall be nothing regarded with them that be of clean contrary minds but you must with a crafty wile and a subtle train study and endeavour yourself as much as in you lieth to handle the matter wittily and handsomely for the purpose and that which you cannot turn to good so to order it that it be not very bad for it is not possible for all things to be well unless all men were good which i think will not be yet this good many years by this means quoth he nothing else will be brought to pass but whilst that i go about to remedy the madness of others i should be even as mad as they for if i would speak things that be true i must needs speak such things but as for to speak false things whether that be a philosopher's part or no i cannot tell truly it is not my part howbeit this communication of mine though peradventure it may seem unpleasant to them yet can i not see why it should seem strange or foolishly new-fangled if so be that i should speak those things that plato feigneth in his wheel public or that the utopians do in theirs these things though they were as they be indeed better 
yet they might seem spoken out of place for as much as here amongst us every man hath his possessions several to himself and there all things be common but what was in my communication contained that might not and ought not in any place to be spoken saving that to them which have thoroughly decreed and determined with themselves to run headlongs the contrary way it cannot be acceptable and pleasant because it calleth them back and showeth them the jeopardies verily if all things that evil and vicious manners have caused to seem inconvenient and naughty should be refused as things unmeet and reproachful then we must among christian people wink at the most part of all those things which christ taught us and so straitly forbade them to be winked at that those things also which he whispered in the ears of his disciples he commanded to be proclaimed in open houses and yet the most part of them is more dissident from the manners of the world nowadays than my communication was but preachers sly and wily men following your counsel as i suppose because they saw men evil willing to frame their manners to christ's rule they have rested and ride his doctrine and like a rule of lead have applied it to men's manners that by some means at the least way they might agree together whereby i cannot see what good they have done but that men may more sickly be evil and i truly should prevail even as little in king's counsels for either i must say other ways than they say and then i were as good to say nothing or else i must say the same that they say and as mitio saith in terence help to further their madness for that crafty wile and subtle train of yours i cannot perceive to what purpose its service wherewith you would have me to study and endeavour myself if all things cannot be made good yet to handle them wittily and handsomely for the purpose that as far forth as is possible they may not be very evil for there is no place to dissemble in nor to wink in naughty counsels must be openly allowed and very pestilent decrees must be approved he shall be counted worse than a spy yea almost as evil as a traitor that with a faint heart doth praise evil and noisome decrees moreover a man can have no occasion to do good chancing into the company of them which will sooner pervert a good man than be made good themselves through whose evil company he shall be marred or else if he remain good and innocent yet the wickedness and folly of others shall be imputed to him and laid in his neck so that it is impossible with that crafty wile and subtle train to turn anything to better wherefore plato by a goodly similitude declareth why wise men refrain to meddle in the commonwealth for when they see the people swarm into the streets and daily wet to the skin with rain and yet cannot persuade them to go out of the rain and to take their houses knowing well that if they should go out to them they should nothing prevail nor win aught by it but with them be wet also in the rain they do keep themselves within their houses being content that they be safe themselves seeing they cannot remedy the folly of the people Howbeit, doubtless, Master More, to speak truly as my mind giveth me, 
where possessions be private where money beareth all the stroke it is hard and almost impossible that there the wheel public may justly be governed and prosperously flourish unless you think thus that justice is there executed where all things come into the hands of evil men or that prosperity there flourisheth where all is divided among a few which few nevertheless do not lead their lives very wealthily and the residue live miserably wretchedly and beggarly wherefore when i consider with myself and weigh in my mind the wise and godly ordinances of the utopians among whom with very few laws all things be so well and wealthily ordered that virtue is had in price and estimation and yet all things being there common every man hath abundance of everything again on the other part when i compare with them so many nations ever making new laws yet none of them all well and sufficiently furnished with laws where every man calleth that he hath gotten his own proper and private goods where so many new laws daily made be not sufficient for every man to enjoy defend and know from another man's that which he calleth his own which thing the infinite controversies in the law daily rising never to be ended plainly declare to be true these things i say when i consider with myself i hold well with plato and do nothing marvel that he would make no laws for them that refused those laws whereby all men should have and enjoy equal portions of wealths and commodities for the wise man did easily foresee this to be the one and only way to the wealth of a community if equality of all things should be brought in and established which i think is not possible to be observed where every man's goods be proper and peculiar to himself for where every man under certain titles and pretences draweth and plucketh to himself as much as he can so that a few divide among themselves all the whole riches be there never so much abundance and store there to the residue is left lack and poverty and for the most part it chances that this latter sort is more worthy to enjoy that state of wealth than the other be because the rich men be covetous crafty and unprofitable on the other part the poor be lowly simple and by their daily labour more profitable to the commonwealth than to themselves thus i do fully persuade myself that no equal and just distribution of things can be made nor that perfect wealth shall ever be among men unless this propriety be exiled and banished but so long as it shall continue so long shall remain among the most and best part of men the heavy and inevitable burden of poverty and wretchedness which as i grant that it may be somewhat eased so i utterly deny that it can wholly be taken away for if there were a statute made that no man should possess above a certain measure of ground and that no man should have in his stock above a prescript and appointed sum of money if it were by certain laws decreed that neither the king should be of too great power neither the people too hot and wealthy 
and that offices should not be obtained by inordinate suit or by bribes and gifts that they should neither be bought nor sold nor that it should be needful for the officers to be at any cost or charge in their offices for so occasion is given to them by fraud and ravin to gather up their money again and by reason of gifts and bribes the offices be given to rich men which should rather have been executed of wise men by such laws i say like as sick bodies that be desperate and past cure be wont with continual good cherishing to be kept and boxed up for a time so these evils also might be lightened and mitigated but that they may be perfectly cured and brought to a good and upright state it is not to be hoped for whilst every man is master of his own to himself yea and whilst you go about to do your cure of one part you shall make bigger the sore of another part so the help of one causeth another's harm forasmuch as nothing can be given to any one unless it be taken from another but i am of a contrary opinion quoth i for me thinketh that men shall never there live wealthily where all things be common for how can there be abundance of goods or of anything where every man withdraweth his hand from labour whom the regard of his own gains driveth not to work but the hope that he hath in other men's travails maketh him slothful then when they be pricked with poverty and yet no man can by any law or right defend that for his own which he hath gotten with the labour of his own hands shall not there of necessity be continual sedition and bloodshed specially the authority and reverence of magistrates being taken away which what place it may have with such men among whom is no difference i cannot devise i marvel not quoth he that you be of this opinion for you conceive in your mind either none at all or else a very false image and similitude of this thing but if you had been with me in utopia and had presently seen their fashions and laws as i did which lived there five years and more and would never have come and thence but only to make that new land known here then doubtless you would grant that you never saw people well ordered but only there surely quoth master peter it shall be hard for you to make me believe that there is better order in that new land than is here in these countries that we know for good wits be as well here as there and i think our commonwealths be ancienter than theirs wherein long use and experience hath found out many things commodious for man's life besides that many things here among us have been found by chance which no wit could ever have devised as touching the ancientness quoth he of commonwealths then you might better judge if you had read the histories and chronicles of that land which if we may believe cities were there before men were here now what thing soever hitherto by wit hath been devised or found by chance that might be as well there as here but i think verily though it were so that we did pass them in wit yet in study in travail and in laboursome endeavour they far pass us 
for as their chronicles testify before our arrival there they never heard anything of us whom they call the ultra equinoctials saving that once about twelve hundred years ago a certain ship was lost by the isle of utopia which was driven thither by tempest certain romans and egyptians were cast on land which after that never went thence mark now what profit they took of this one occasion through diligence and earnest travail there was no craft nor science within the empire of rome whereof any profit could rise but they either learned it of these strangers or else of them taking occasion to search for it found it out so great profit was it to them that ever any went thither from hence but if any like chance before this hath brought any man from thence hither that is as quite out of remembrance as this also perchance in time to come shall be forgotten that ever i was there and like as they quickly almost at the first meeting made their own whatsoever is among us wealthily devised so i suppose it would be long before we would receive anything that among them is better instituted than among us and this i suppose is the chief cause why their commonwealths be wiselier governed and do flourish in more wealth than ours though we neither in wit nor riches be their inferiors therefore gentle master raphael quoth i i pray you and beseech you describe unto us the island and study not to be short but declare largely in order their grounds their rivers their cities their people their manners their ordinances their laws and to be short all things that you shall think us desirous to know and you shall think us desirous to know whatsoever we know not yet there is nothing quoth he that i will do gladlier for all these things i have fresh in mind but the matter requireth leisure let us go in therefore quoth i to dinner afterward we will bestow the time at our pleasure content quoth he be it so we went in and dined when dinner was done we came into the same place again and sat us down upon the same bench commanding our servants that no man should trouble us then i and master peter giles desired master raphael to perform his promise he therefore seeing us desirous and willing to hearken to him when he had sit still and paused a little while musing and bethinking himself thus he began to speak end of section five the end of the first book